0: You're an all-star, get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star, get the show on, get
1: paid. And all that's winners is gold. On. Only shooting stars break the mold. Welcome to another episode of the NRL All-Stars Podcast. bandy here, back for the talk and Footy episode of the week, and it's an Origin talking Footy episode. Just had Origin 1 last night, so that's going to be a big part of the discussion on the Talk and Footy podcast today, but a lot of other good rugby league stuff to quickly chat about as well, coming into round 14. Now, for this week, we've got Perso on board. Been a few weeks since Perso's been on, so welcome back, Perso. It was uh, their origin hangover today, I'm sure, for you as well as a, another New South Wales fan.
0: Yeah, it was a tough one to, to swallow that in the end, wasn't it? We should have really won that game, but it um, wasn't to be. Coinsland pulled out of their ass again, as per usual.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a good win for the Queenslanders so I'm sure that they've got a, one of the happy hangovers today whereas uh, in the south of the border it's a little bit tougher to swallow but for the talking footy episodes all about rugby league but if you like your super coach we've got the super coach episodes on the Tuesday we record to hit on a Wednesday certainly as well have a look at our partner picklebet.com Picklebet are fantastic. They are a bookie that's been around in Australia only a couple of years. They're getting more and more markets on. They've launched same-game multis. They had some great same-game multis available for last night's State of Origin game as well. Uh, You can go and check them out on picklebet.com, but make sure that when you sign up, use a promo code for this podcast. That is all stars, all one word. Uh, It might be called affiliate code or referral code. Use that code when you sign up and they'll make sure they'll take great care of you because they'll see that you're one of our listeners As well as that, you know, we do have a special bet every week that the All-Stars podcast puts on. It was for the Blues to win as well as Travojevic to get a try. (laughs) Didn't happen at all. So that was a terrible one, but they still put up some great odds for it. And that's one of the good things with Pickle. They do put up some great odds that you won't see across some of the other larger bookies. So certainly if you like having a punt, have a look across them and, you know, have Picklebet there in your back pocket because they might have better odds on a lot of the stuff compared to some of the other bookies that you might go to. So Picklebet.com, go and jump on. Allstars is your affiliate referral code to sign up with. Get on them today. Always think as well as this a bet that you really want to make for free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. First, so obviously, Origin is front of mind, being the next morning. Uh, my voice is a bit coarse from yelling at the TV, so <laughs> it's not the best day to be recording a podcast for me, but we're going to get into it. Twenty six eighteen, the Queensland Maroons won, and look, they won under quite a few controversial circumstances as well, um, which we're going to get to. But probably, I think because Queensland won, it's probably good to talk about them first because they deserve it. And I will probably say that I thought overall, just the Queensland side played about how I thought they would. I thought that they would have been aggressive in the forwards and looked to probably not throwing the ball around too much, but uh, minimise mistakes and just sort of manage the game and played hard and that whole Queensland spirit and attitude and all that stuff. There wasn't really a lot of bells and whistles to what they were doing, I didn't think. They limited their mistakes. The forwards made good metres and just were tough without being, um, you know, having too much variance in their attack or trying anything too different. I don't think they threw a lot at New South Wales, to be honest. I thought that they just played a pretty simple game plan. And I just think that it worked a few times because they, they weren't down in New South Wales red zone very often at all. And that was one of the big differences. Like I think obviously they earned the victory and they deserve it. But if you took, the the few plays that they had, the few sets that they had in New South Wales, 20, 30 metre mark, and just watch the rest of the game. You'd swear that New South Wales were in front because I think that um, there was times when they were really pinned significantly for large portions of the game whenever they had the ball and they were only making 25, 30 metres and then kicking. And they really seemed to get quite dominated by New South Wales. But they converted on having next to no opportunities. And that's a game plan that I think you have to, you really have to nail, don't you? If you're going to have that type of game plan or that type of, team, type of team that they've got, you've got to nail it. And they did it really well. And the last thing I'll say is defensively, they were great. Um, defensively, the outside backs, there was a lot of question marks, um, certainly with the hammer and the centres and even some of the outside backs that have been picked. There was a lot of question marks there and whether New South Wales could exploit it with a, probably on paper what looked like a far better attacking outfit. And to Queensland's credit, you know, Tulangi did some fantastic try saves, and he defended well and played his best game of the year, and he wasn't in a North Queensland jumper. You know, the form of those guys um, was very good defensively and better than what I expected it to be. So that was pretty much my take on, on the Queensland side. How did you sort of see them last night at Origin 1?
0: Yeah, defensively, they were outstanding. That was the difference. Um, but just looked like they wanted it more, Queensland. That was the main reason New South Wales of course. Our clunky attack was the Queensland defence, so just rushing up and putting pressure on that Panthers combo of Cleary, Lua, um, Yo that liked to play direct and deep in the line, and Queensland defence were just up in their face and they couldn't create anything for their, their outside players. That was probably the biggest difference. Even when Cotter, you know, they were going to moved out to the edge and we couldn't exploit that, and the Fafuda went off with the HIO, so they had both edge forwards off the field defensively, they just stood up. As you said, the tailung, he was outstanding in defence. So was the hammer. That really justified There was a lot of controversy about Gagawa getting dropped for the hammer, but that was more than justified by Slater in that game. But it just defensively, they were too good. And they just, as you said, they took it, their opportunities where we didn't. That was the difference. You know, split in that first half, they probably only had two opportunities, and it was in the 10 minutes, and they scored both times. Exposed the edge defences. And they right at the end of the game when the Munster just crabbed sideways, found some room and put the hammer away. And the, the TPJ offload, they scored off the back of that with Cobo. So they just took their opportunities.
1: Yeah, and look, I think from a New South Wales perspective as well, everyone, uh, not everyone, but a lot of New South Wales fans, um, I understand the disappointment, but it's almost like New South Wales lost by 30. Yeah, when you look at the um, when you look at the stats, it's very hard to pinpoint much difference in the game at all. Um, Queensland executed better and defended better, but I mean, look, missed tackles. Queensland missed thirty six tackles. New South Wales missed thirty one. Um, you look at the penalties conceded, and Queensland had eight penalties conceded. New South Wales six. The possession was always big. New South Wales had a mountain possession in that first half, and that swung back around in the second half a little bit, but it was still fifty three percent New South Wales possession for the game they're almost bang on the completion rates too. You know, it's not like New South Wales weren't completing sets like Queensland were. 79% for Queensland, 78% completion for New South Wales. There really was hardly any difference at all as far as a lot of the numbers go. But, you know, when we're moving over to New South Wales, one of the big things that was different when you look at the numbers compared to the suicides. One, one of the things that I think got probably missed a little bit, the run meters that New South Wales had were far better than Queensland. That was 20% better than what Queensland's total run metres were. That's a significant difference. It's one of those things that when you lose a origin, you forget about the things that you did well or some of the strengths and and, and, and things that you see in game, a game one side. And I wasn't really that unhappy with the, the metres that we were making and stuff, and I thought that we did that better than what Queensland did a lot of the time. And the stats kind of supported that. But the other big, big difference... And this is going to go into a bit more of a controversial thing with this New South Wales side last night. Queensland's kick metres, 762 kick metres. New South Wales, 501. That is a significant difference. And it's uh, one of those things that I am always worried about when we pick this New South Wales side. One of my big things with the side beforehand personally was I always would have had Hines uh, at the six. And a lot of people will rightly say, Luai played better than what he has other games. He had a good game. Some people even say he had a great game. I thought that he had a solid game, a couple of try assists to his name, one in particular with a fantastic board, Liam Martin, that was phenomenal, and that was a great play. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, Luai is not a kicker. He cannot kick the football. And what that means is that Nathan Cleary is taking almost every kick. Luai had three kicks in that game. Someone like Munster had three times as many kicks as what Luai did as the as six compared to this dominant seven kicking and 250 metres or something compared to 73 metres from Lui Lui cannot help kick. That means that all the pressure is on Cleary to kick the football. And last night, he did not have a good kicking game. And it was the entire game and all the different sorts of kicks. I'm going to say three different things with Cleary's kicking game and then I'm really interested in your opinion on it because I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it. Cleary's long kicks weren't great, um, but his short-kicking game in the red zone, he kept putting up the same thing. It wasn't any variety. For someone who's got such a good short-kicking game, we didn't really get a heap of repeat sets that we should get, and he didn't vary, and he kept going for the same type of um, mid-bomb that that might work for some of the taller guys. Kept trying to hit Crichton a lot with that. Um, And the third thing is that that kick was wrong anyway. Almost every time. It was between two and seven meters away from where you want that kick to be hit. Uh, it's it's hitting down right around a one meter portion area in front of where the try line is. That's where you want it, and that's not where we were getting it. You know, some of the kicks were like hitting five, six, seven meters out, and it's not close enough to the try line because if you don't get a try from it, you want to make sure that you've got a Queenslander that can be pushed back in the end goal and get a repeat set that way. And we just weren't executing those kicks well at all. I thought the kicking game was really, really average from Cleary. And you could see that when you're looking at the stats as well, not just the run meters. Luai can't help with that. And whilst I would like to blame Cleary for some of that, and I will, the other part of me doesn't necessarily blame Luai per se, but he just can't do it. So, you know, do we see a better kicking performance if Nathan Cleary can actually vary it and not have to kick every set and not have to have the pressure on him every set? Because, Hey, we did that with Burton last year, and that was at centre. And even just having Burton at centre and putting up half a dozen kicks worked wonders in freeing up clearing and helping him out. So that was a big, big question mark for me with New South Wales last night.
0: Yeah, 100%. Hit the nail on the head, You got it right twice. So The only repeat seat we got in the first half was um, when he nailed it right on the line and Walsh got put back in. And then for the Crichton try, it was sort of landed in the right spot, but it was just pedestrian over and over again the same. Same thing, Yeah, kick chase wasn't great on those either. Queensland knew it was coming. That's that's the biggest thing there. I, I think a lot of that, uh that obviously it was Freddie's tactic to just keep putting that same kick in because he just clearly didn't he just had didn't have no variation at all for someone that's got a great kicking game. But um yeah, as you said, Lua doesn't kick, Tedesco doesn't kick, and Coruscair doesn't really kick. So the the spine members it, it's going to clear every time, so it's it's fairly predictable. And if it's not bang on point, which it wasn't last night, then that's the result you get. Yeah, and it's just
1: not good enough. And the other thing too is that we were relying on our kicks to get us points, not just field position. And unfortunately, that wasn't working. And it then opens up to the next big topic of the Blues, uh, the attack. Now, the attack was nowhere near as good as what it should be. Uh, Queensland's attack was better. And certainly Queensland... Um, executed when they needed to, and they put on some good plays. Very rarely did we see New South Wales do any type of plays. We, we tried one inside-out ball on in Tedesco, where Tedesco got crammed and given a hospital pass uh, because they knew it was coming, could see it a mile away. It wasn't executed well. And really, oh, you didn't see... I, I, did, I didn't see much from either half making calls, doing plays, doing any sort of variance in attack... Um, the like honestly, if we didn't have Tyson Frizzell, Frizzell was actually causing a bit of havoc there. Um he had a, a side like he had a couple of real half breaks that was sort of almost through, and then you know, sort of gave opportunity on quick play the balls and stuff after making 20, 25 meters. There really wasn't much there for line breaks. Look, like, Crichton got one for his try. That was that was a good play. Um the only other play that was actually a really good one was was Martin's short ball. And that showed a little bit of variance because we actually played direct. And we had a guy just steaming onto the ball at an angle, going straight at the defensive line, hitting a hole. We rarely ever had that. And that was, I think, really disappointing. Obviously, some of that goes down to the coaching staff and the style of play that we wanted to play. But I think some of it has to be be on the shoulders of Nathan Cleary. And I don't mean to hammer Nathan Cleary. Like, certainly, I'm not going to drop Nathan Cleary at all. I'm not even going to discuss it. I would consider dropping Jerome i to have Hines there because I think Hines is a better player. And I've said that leading into origin one the whole time. But at the same time, you know, there's some really funny Mitchell, Mitchell Pierce memes that are going around on social media at the moment with a picture of Mitchell Pierce and Cleary next to each other. And it's funny. It's a little bit unfair on Cleary, but at the same time, you know, we saw this from Mitchell Pierce and he got absolutely burned at the stake each year where he wasn't coming through with the same form at origin level. He wasn't actually producing any attacking stats and he wasn't getting points and his kicking game wasn't on song. Cleary's doing exactly the same thing at the moment. He did that last night. I did not see enough from Nathan Cleary as an alpha half that's meant to be arguably one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world. His time is now. He's in his mid-20s. He's had enough opportunities. So no way I'd drop Nathan Cleary. I fully support him. I think he can bounce back. But I think the attack was pretty disappointing. And some of that, I think, has to fall on the halfback's shoulders.
0: Yeah, oh, our shape was terrible. Honestly. It didn't just look like, it's a word I use you don't expect from a New South Wales origin side at that level, clunky. They just looked clunky. They couldn't, um, just couldn't get it at me. And they'd, even up the middle, like was standing there, there, catching a cold on this side of the field, didn't really, could never get any good ball. Uh, every time they tried to get some kind of shape out the back the Queensland defence rushed him and like he said whoever got the ball was pretty well covered straight away Brazil was yeah, he looked a bit dangerous they looked a lot better when Martin came on and moved to the left edge when Murray came on the field that looked a little bit more potent on that side but it was very disappointing they just just, they played too lateral yeah they definitely did and when they tried to go direct they just Queensland defence rushed him and you can put the not just Cleary, Luai and Yo. That Panthers combination just wasn't working last night at that level.
1: I don't think it was either. And it's funny that you mentioned Yo as well. Like I really like Yo, um, and I wouldn't drop him either. Um, and this is a like it's a real New South Wales thing that's I think quite disappointing, <laughs> where it's like you don't see Queenslanders calling for blood. If their side lost last night, you wouldn't see Queenslanders calling for all these players to be dropped, whereas New South Wales, we just call for everyone to be dropped. Also, straight
0: out, mass charges is not what we need. I don't think so either.
1: Um, I made the comment earlier today that I'd make a couple of changes to the starting side, and that's about it. Maybe one on the bench, maybe two. to, To me, I'll say it straight out, you know, the things that I would change and the things that I think need fixing. Hines has to be at six because you need two kickers and you need two playmakers. It is very clear that Nathan Cleary has had a lot of origin series now and he has never been able to particularly find answers when he can't get his side scoring points. He just, he doesn't find it, or at least enough. If you've got Hines there, that's another guy that's a really good attacking player, that's a really good halfback, that is a very good kicker as well. He can find attacking opportunities and he can take some of the pressure off the kicking as well and provide variance in attack. And I think that we really need that. Uh, Appy Coruscant, I think, was a bit of a controversial selection uh, in a lot of ways to start to have Damien Cook out of the team. I don't know whether I drop Appy or not, but certainly I sort of looked at it and preferred Damien Cook there last night for a few reasons. Um, the speed, the, even just some of the service from from Appy. to be fair to Cleary, there was a couple of times where he had to kick the ball where he got given terrible passes and just the variance that Cook has, I think is a little bit more than what Appy can provide. The only other one is going to be Latrell Mitchell. You know, he's obviously going to come in, but that's even not a change I would make per se, because you're obviously just putting the guy in that was supposed to be there and just dropping out Stephen Crichton. And I think that's pretty easy. You could probably do the rest of the side as it is and, and be in the hunt for a win in game too. I don't think it needs mass changes either, but obviously our kicking game and our attack needs to be better. On the bench, you know, what do you do there? How does that rotation work?
0: I don't know. Our our middle forwards were pretty ordinary. Yeah, middle forwards really got dominated. I mean, aside from Payne Haas, I I thought Palo looked – he just looked slow in that game. (laughs) He's a big unit, but he didn't really offer a lot. Murray and Yeo, like, get through a lot of work defensively, and Yeo creates a bit of shape in that attack, but they, they just sort of lack that dominance up the middle. And they played the, the bigger minutes, those two. So I'm not sure where to go with that. We've got a couple of guys that are out. I mean, I don't really think the side are your answer. We're a bit thin in the middle, and that, I think that might be the difference. And then you even look at a like, guy like the more mobile guys in uh, the Queensland side, in Cotter, he had a blinder. Cotter was outstanding. He was, he was probably their best player, I'd say, by a mile. That's the sort of difference, I think. that they, they dominated the middle.
1: I thought Haas was solid in 51 minutes without being super great. Um, obviously he's going to be the, the foundation of that forward pack but a lot of people talking about the rotation with the forwards, you know, Barlow played 31 minutes but I don't know if he could play any more than that because like you said, he did look a bit slow. He looked gassed, didn't he? You know, so you, you wouldn't you wouldn't play him any more than that. He's not the player he was two, three years ago and you could say that, yeah, we should drop him but we, like you said, we don't have the options. There's no point putting a Saifidi brother in and we just don't have any other big forwards. So I'm kind of okay with him. TPJ is one that we haven't mentioned. I will be controversial here. I actually don't think he was as bad as what people were saying. from that off, though, Barnsley, he
0: didn't play too badly.
1: Yeah, like that's one of the things, too. Like, Origin really um, exaggerates every single mistake that you make, and if you make one, fans kind of jump on it, and rightly so because it's costly, and that one was very costly. That was a bad offload. He's also a rookie origin player in his first game uh, and TPJ was trying to make something happen at a time that we really needed something to happen. So, you know, bad mistake. Yes. Droppable for one mistake. Uh, debatable. I, I thought in the first half, he was actually really good. Um, he was pretty fast for a big guy. He was pretty aggressive. He was doing the, all the things that you wanted him to do in the first half. I think that if he just had that first half of football, he wouldn't get that much criticism. At the end of the day, he's only like a 30-minute origin forward. So how much impact does that really have? I thought he was great. Aside from that, people bring up penalties. He only actually conceded one penalty, and it was when he um, did a legs flop and it looked like somebody was going to jump up and keep running, uh, which is, you know, fine. He gave one penalty away. I found it pretty funny, though, just in a little segue per se, that uh, there was at least two times where it was like penalty against New South Wales, and they had TVJ's picture on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, well, he didn't, he didn't get the penalty, why you? So I think that's why, I think a couple of people got carried away and thought TPJ was getting penalised a couple more times and it actually wasn't him.
0: Well, that one for the flop was probably a 50-50 call anyway, the one he did give away.
1: Yeah, so I mean, with the middle forwards, I'd probably play Yo 20 minutes less and I think that is looking a bit slower, so I'd want the ball out of his hands a little bit more and just him running a little bit more probably. Um, you have Murray an extra 20 minutes in that middle rotation, it probably helps. But Barlow and also TPJ, you know, they're 30-minute players in this rotation. I don't think Barlow can play much more. Um, Do we need to try and find another middle? Is there anyone else other than the Safidi brothers that you think could be better and do a better job than what they did?
0: Yeah, that's the problem with Campbell Gillard out as well. Maybe, and Ryan Madison's injured too. So he could have been the type of guy you'd want off the bench to bring a bit of impact and uh, play some longer minutes. We're we're actually probably the thinnest we've ever been for middle forwards, I think, New South Wales.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably pretty close to that. Um, Hudson Young's job will probably come under the microscope too. Liam Martin, I thought, was very good in the first half, uh, and he obviously scored that fantastic try that we really needed and also was quite threatening at other times as well. And I thought he did a pretty good job. Hudson Young, you know, it's a debut. At the start, he did some good things. I liked that he was sort of fired up. I liked that he was giving it to the Queensland team because that's origin. That's what you want guys to do. But he just failed to really get into the game and make an impact. So it wouldn't be surprising to see um, him dropped, I guess, Liam Martin starting. You could have someone like Keon Kalamatungi. He was someone who was injured and looking really good, but he came back last week and he's going to get a full game of first grade this week.
0: Yeah, uh, he can play a bit of middle too as well as urge or have him um, in before Kalatu, thats for sure. If, if that's the Young spot will come under the spotlight for sure. We did look a lot better with Myer Martin on that left edge, and uh, maybe Keon is a type of guy off the bench that could bring that impact and cover edge and middle.
1: So, what would you do with uh, with the halves and also the hooking spot utility bench? Like, how would you look at that rotation?
0: I didn't think Appy was too bad last night. He looked a little bit gassed towards the end, but which suddenly service got a little bit sloppy, but obviously got through a lot of defence. He's pretty creative at a dummy half. I still think Cook was a bit um, hard done by. I mean, it, it, having horns on the bench, he only really got in the field because Stravojevic went off for a HIA. I'd, you're probably better off going with the two-punch. That hooker, same as Queensland do. Just to, the extra energy in the legs and... Creativity out of dummy half around the ruck. And you bring a, a Cook on even after 30 minutes, you know, around tight defence. Let's just give us another element in attack that we sort of didn't have last night. I'd bring Cook back in at the 14. Uh, well, I thought that worked pretty well last year for us, to be honest, the Coraceo and, and Cook combination of dummy half in the last series last year. Yeah, I thought it worked quite well. And um, I, I Hines has to be in that side of five, We both said that for the origin series, I know. Luai probably was the incumbent and maybe deserved the shot last night. And Luai wasn't terrible last night, by any stretch of the imagination. But there's just too much pressure on Kiri with that spine, with no one else being able to kick or create.
1: Yeah, and look, I think that it's sort of as well, perso, isn't it? It's one of those things where you go, look, it's not. We're not dropping Luai because he's played badly. And sometimes you do get dropped, not playing terribly. You know,
0: it's just you've lost a game and you need a different approach. Similar to the Walsh replacing Ponga for Queensland, isn't it? Walsh just bang the door down, had to be selected. I think Collins is doing the same thing.
1: Yeah, that's right. And any other year, you know, Pong has played, even in the limited games he's played, the last couple he's played well enough to keep his jersey. But I think that there's going to be some definite hard changes looked at, but hopefully it's not wholesale. Um, One of the players for New South Wales that we haven't spoken about that's come under a lot of scrutiny and his position's been thrown up there by a lot of fans is James Tedesco. I'm going to say outright it wasn't Tedesco's best game but I don't think it's anywhere near what social media fans have decided his game was at last night at all, and I'm quite surprised. But surprise is not really the right word. I'm actually really disappointed. As a New South Wales fan, I'm really disappointed. You would not see Queensland turn on a Billy Slater, on a Darren Lockyer, on some of these fantastic fullbacks that Queensland have had because they've played one bad game in Jersey, you know, let alone that they're the captain of the side. You know, it's it, it is like I don't want to offend anyone here, but I'm really disappointed in my state and the fans because you don't turn on your players like that. Like this is the captain of New South Wales, and Teddy didn't have a great game. But every other game that Teddy has played in New South Wales jersey, he's been outstanding. So you're going to drop your captain and the incumbent Australian number one from your side after one bad game in his in Origin career, after captaining the side for nine consecutive matches. Like, that is just really poor form for me. Like, you can say Teddy had a bad game. He didn't have a great game. I'll admit to that. Um, but I don't think it was as bad as anyone. But even if I agreed, you know, perso he had a horrible game. Even if I wanted to agree with some people and say he had a horrible game, you don't drop those type of players. That isn't what wins you the next Origin game going up to Suncorp in Queensland for New South Wales. That's not going to win you that game by dropping James Tedesco. So, at least give him a series. Like if he, if we, if New South Wales lose and lose three games in a row and can't get a win, then maybe in the off season James Tedesco can come under a bit of scrutiny. Then maybe we have a year of form to say, "Geez, is he past it now?" You know. But after one bad game, person, just it's, it's so disappointing.
0: I wouldn't even say he had a bad game. <laughs> um Especially that first half, he was probably one of our better players. But there was a couple of things that happened in the second half that weren't best. Like, it wasn't anywhere near um, Tedesco's best game, and the best he hasn't been anywhere near his best form this season either. But to put all the blame on Tedesco, I mean, I've seen people saying that he lost New South Wales four tries. Like it's just ludicrous. The only one you can put a hand up and say he was directly sort of involved with was Lindsay Collins just snaking the ball out of the sky. Like, that's on Tedesco. But the other tries, he's the second line of defence. He's getting... Like, who's going to stop the hammer when he gets put through a gap like that? Uh, Yeah, the the criticism on Tedesco for that game is just ridiculous from people on social media, especially when there's no heat going towards the the Panthers trio as well. He ran for over 200 metres and he had one error. He was in everything. He tried his art at... at, um, Typical... Like, he just... He didn't set up two tries, so he had a bad game. Some people come to get used to with Pedesko over the years, especially the last sort of four or five seasons. Was since he went to the Roosters, he just in everything. So, and this season the Roosters aren't travelling too well. He hasn't had a plethora of tries just like he normally does, and he didn't win the game for New South Wales last night. So his heads on the chopping block. It's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be a better side for for leaving those type of guys. And you know, like I said, I don't think Cleary had a good game at all. But there's no way that you're cutting Cleary out.
0: No, hundred percent, you're not dropping Cleary. And the argument is that oh, the people that are whinging about Tedesco. Want Edwards in there? I mean, if Edwards is in that side last night, we don't win that game either. No, know. he wouldn't let us. He wouldn't look out of place in the Blues jumper. Don't get me wrong, but he's not. He put Edwards in that side. He's not going to suddenly make us win that game over Tedesco.
1: No, and there's there's two really key things with Edwards here, okay? One of them is you're, you're talking about debuting somebody in State of Origin to play a must-win match-up at Suncorp in Queensland that's never played a game before at Origin level. That is a big deal, number one. Number two... That's huge. What is... What have what Edwards actually brought last night? Now, Edwards' strengths are his extreme work rate and how busy he is. We've already said Tedesco had 24 runs, ran for well over 200 metres. He, he actually had the work rate covered. Uh, people can say that James Tedesco's um, playmaking has deteriorated. It has been worse the last couple of years than what it has been previously. There's no doubt about that. But it is still better than what Edwards is. And we've just spent a few minutes talking about how New South Wales attack has absolutely no variance. We didn't try anything different. We couldn't find any answers and we couldn't actually find anything. Edwards going in for Tedesco, he's going to find even less and put even more pressure on Nathan Cleary to actually make all the plays for that team. So it does not work at all in any way, shape or form to put Dylan Edwards into that side in place of James Tedesco. There's just no way I can see it defensively. Uh, you know, I, I just want to touch on a couple of things because I like everybody to get some blame, right? <laughs> when, when There's a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I like everyone to get a little bit of it, you know? And James Tedesco for the Collins one, that's all on him because that was one-on-one. i tell you what was a little bit disappointing though, and this is a good segue into some of our other defensive efforts for New South Wales that we'll mention. Um, he's missed that ball one-on-one and you'd expect him to normally get it and, and he didn't, okay? it was a it, that, That's a mistake for him and he needs to put his hand up and own that one. There was not one New South Wales player in Kooee who wanted to chase or try and, you know, stop or support. And there was no one near Teddy to even support on that catch. Uh, And that was a big deal. Other wing problems that we had last night, two of the tries that that ended up being tries, one of them was the Cobo one. You know, you had Brian Toto come in a good 10 metres for no reason to provide Cobble that corridor, and, and by the way, Jerome Luai missed a one-on-one tackle in front of him before Tedesco swept across and missed him and couldn't stop him from scoring. That was one. The other one, Josh had a car when we're playing a twelve-man Queensland side, came in and just gave that corridor on the wing straight to to Lungi's wing, all the way there for Queensland just to score that try. You know, and that was that was when um the hammer came through, and who's
0: going to stop the
1: hammer at speed like that? Like
0: he almost hindered Hines at centre. He came in that far and must have sort of brushed a pair of them and straight out of the hammer and away he goes. Um, Brian
1: Tyler you can give a pass to, but I'll tell you what, you know, Josh had a car did not make an impact last night really at all.
0: Uh, he was ordinary.
1: So I don't want to drop either of those guys and I want to see those guys be better and I don't want to kill them for having one mistake, you know, but fair's fair is <laughs> fair. You can't blame Tedesco. For coming across and missing those last ditch attempts at tackles, because you know the wingers didn't do their job and we were really bad defensively in the front line. Like that was that was just poor. Let's move along. With Teddy, we're going to keep him in there. We've said, um, but we need to talk about the Queensland players as well. They're going to have some force changes potentially. Tom Gilbert dislocated shoulder, really unlucky for him. We mentioned Ruben Copper quite a wet outstanding, but really like the forwards were pretty solid for them. You're obviously not going to change anything there. For them, but Gilbert might be a force change. You know, Who do you see coming in for them, and what do you actually see Queensland needing to maybe do better or change for a 2 0 uh, lead and raise the shield again this year?
0: Uh, they're probably, oh, I think Cthusi's suspension will be up by the second game, won't it? So he'll probably just come straight back in for um, Gilbert and the footer will go to the left edge. Well, he was on the left edge anyway, so yeah, it'll be Kafusi on the right, I would say. I'd imagine that's probably the only change they make, unless there's other injuries. Yeah, that's. Uh, and I don't
1: think that. I think that they did really kind of pick their best side. Um, if, if I'm not sure on kafuzi I think that he might still be out. Going to, I'm not quite 100. percent
0: Would he get three weeks? I think it's three weeks. Yeah. So if, I mean, now I suppose Nanai comes back into the picture, but I, I don't think he's been playing that well this season. Do we go the horse? Maybe. Well, it's a possibility. Maybe they name Cotter on the edge and the horse comes in and they swap around between the edge and the middle. I mean, they've got plenty of options in that forward pack. It's, it's funny. New South Wales have always had really strong forward packs. It's sort of turned around now. Queensland's packs look strong and got depth and we're sort of struggling a little bit.
1: Yeah, like I thought that so like someone like Arrow, who
0: I don't really rate these
1: days that highly, You know, did a really good job for them off the bench, but Cotter... I thought when he went to the edge w- would struggle, but to his credit, he, he played very, very well on the edge and um and did a really good job for them. So it's it's hard to see them making any changes, and, and really they shouldn't. Um, I thought the pregame change of starting Cotter and starting Tino at the, at the front race of Ford spots was right. Um, Flegler off the bench and Collins
0: off the bench. Yeah, that was always going to happen, wasn't it? So, you know, it was always going to start that game.
1: It makes a lot more sense.
0: And, I mean, I think the guys like
1: probably, you know, the Hammer and Tulangi were guys that would have been under pressure along with Walsh. Uh, I didn't think Walsh was outstanding, but it's a good origin debut for him because he didn't do
0: anything wrong. He did a good job. So, no mistakes. A couple of slick passes when he got the opportunity and he was pretty solid in defence and he got peppered all game. It was a pretty good debut by Walsh without being outstanding. And the fact that he did that in uh,
1: in Adelaide as well, you know, it's not it's not a New South Wales game, but in Adelaide, that's going to be good for him because he's going to go up against um, a New South Wales team in game two that's going to have to play at Suncorp and with a Queensland crowd behind him. He's, uh, you know, second game as well. You know, he could keep going well, but certainly, you know, you can't look at dropping at Talangi anymore. Um, you couldn't drop a hammer and those guys are probably under pressure from a gag guy. Um, also from Ponga, obviously coming back in, but it looks like that that, that night's duo is going to have to be left out, or you know you, you can't see any way that they come into that side, surely?
0: Nah, no. I mean, the the gag I one for me was a bit of a, a surprise because he's one of those players that always turns up from Origin, and he's actually been playing um, probably having one of his better years of club football for the Knights this season. But Hammer had a blinder last night, so you can't really knock um, Billy for. Making that change for Queensland, and okay, I think Gago's days are over unless there's injuries. Yeah, it looks that way, and and all the forwards are pretty outstanding. I thought for
1: Queensland. I'm um, unlucky for Tom Gilbert who started off a bit fiery and stuff, and uh, you know it's a bit it's a bit unhappy for him to go out with a dislocated shoulder because it's unhappy for fans too because I think we might have actually got some biff last night. Perth, so if, if Tommy Gilbert stayed on the <laughs> field, it was,
0: it was getting close, wasn't it? He's a, a firebrand, Tommy Gilbert. I love him as a footballer, um, but he's a Queenslander. But yeah. Um, that's a bit of a blow because he um was you can see how much the Cowboys missing this year. He's gone to the Dolphins. He's a bit underrated as a player. Um, It'll be a big loss for for um, Queensland, but I think they've got the stocks to cover him.
1: The other thing that I loved about the Queensland performance to finish off on on Origin is I thought their effort levels were amazing. Um, and their
0: their attitude their, and their effort. That was the difference, Martin. It? It, it really was.
1: Like, you're down to 12 men, and it's another Queensland fairy tale. Like, we keep, New South Wales keep writing these Queensland fairy tale books. At the moment, we've got a whole library of them. We're going to have to build a room <laughs> for all these, but it's it's just one of those things where they're down 12 men, um, and all of a sudden, they just find another gear and they just keep going, and they didn't change how they played, and they really they were always there for each other. Um, and it's it was a little bit lacking on the New South Wales front in that regard. Like, I'll even like we'll, we were talking about Tedesco. You know, even with uh, you know one of the criticisms of him running sideways or or not giving the ball, I'd say ninety percent of the time that he had the ball, there was nobody running off him. You know, it, it would have been yeah. one of those things that you get taught when you're eight years old to don't pass the ball to
0: someone in a worse position than you. And there's no, no players in motion. There's nothing.
1: No, and so many of the times he held that ball, he would have been giving it to someone marked up by two men or it was going to get smashed or there was just nobody that wanted it. And, you know, I I used Tedesco as an example because he held it a lot of times. It's the same for some of the other players too. Like you can excuse Cleary some of the time as well and and some of the other players because there just wasn't any support perso. And even when Frizzell poked his head through the line, you didn't see players like running through.
0: Oh, there was two or three times where he, he, he was looking for someone to be running off him and there was no one there. And those half breaks. I mean, that's where you expect someone like Turbo to just be sniffing around, don't you? I mean, you? Turbo, I reckon that was one of the most quiet games I've ever seen him play.
1: Yeah, he didn't get too much clean ball, but aside from taking basically middle forward hit-ups, he really didn't go looking a lot either. So it was, yeah, he was fairly nullified in that as well. But it, credit to Queensland. Their effort levels were outstanding. And like you said, they probably won them the game.
0: Yeah, it was... Defensively and the effort levels, that was a difference. So that was, that's why Queensland won. They had no right to win that game. We should, 12 minutes to go, leading with um, Queensland getting Flegler put in the sin bin. But we should have had the NAS to close that game out. But Queensland just, yeah, it's like they wanted it more.
1: A couple of controversial things that happened in the game. I'm going to hit on that, then we're going to look at a prediction for the next one and move on. The Flegler sin bin. Um, I made the comment when I was watching it that one, I, 10 or 9's coverage kills me. It's um, I call it the home brand high definition. It's like it's not very good high definition at all for a start, and you just see very few camera angles that they show you on the TV. The the Flegler one for me, I can't believe they were talking about how oh, you know it's a head clash. I thought it was pretty clear that there was shoulder contact to the head. Now, Queenslanders is going to be up in arms. Settle down. Settle down. I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm, no <laughs> I'm binning Flegler for that. In an NRL match, though, it is always a sin bin if there is direct shoulder contact to the head. That was direct shoulder contact to the head, okay? It was there. I don't think it was that bad. I, I wouldn't sin bin him. In origin, you cannot sin bin that. So I'm agreeing that he should have stayed on the field. But it goes along the lines of what me and you were discussing last night during the game, Perso, even, where they've... They've yeah. ref this origin match like it was a regular NRL match. And right from the right start. Right from the start. There was all those penalties, wasn't
0: there? Yep. It was just you always got that narrative that um the uh, it's ref different than Origin. Klein didn't rep it different last night, even with the, the couple of ten meter penalties early on. Like they, he was just quite happy to play the pee out of the whistle. It was refed exactly the way they've been wrapping the game all seasons so, in the club games. So yeah, I, that was Going off that, it was a hundred percent a penalty and a sending. That's what they've been doing all year. Like normally, that sort of stuff gets swept under the the carpet a bit in Origin to create a bit more of a spectacle, and that's what we come to expect. But um, yeah, last night definitely it was just it was ref like an NRL game from the outset.
1: Yeah, that's not a good thing. So, like, I'll, I'll
0: excuse the decision as in
1: I think people were kind of missing the fact that it was actually shoulder contact to the head, but. In an origin game, I'd rather it wasn't ref that way and there was no way I would been it if I'm refing. The other controversial one, you know, there it was, it was two tries, one given and one not. Um, the Frizell try, I said at the time I would have given that and I don't know how it went up as a no try. If it went up as a try, I'm sure that they would have given it. But on the very last angle that they were showing on Channel 9's coverage especially, uh, it was surely you could see that ball touching some grass. I thought that I could. But, again, you know, the home high, high brand, high definition, it's not a good pitcher, so maybe not. But <laughs> I, I, I was sure that was a try. Um, and I think that one of the things that really irks me sometimes is that we, we have these things in rugby league that we come up with and we just use it to the nth degree. And I absolutely hated hearing them say last night in the bunker, so long as he's got a hand under the ball. And it's like, yeah. Just because a player's got a hand under the ball, though, all the ball has to do is touch a blade of grass. So if you've got someone's hand on the grass under the ball and the ball is like all the way to the player onto that grass, there is a blade of grass touching that ball. You know, it doesn't matter that there's a hand underneath it. You've just got to have some grass on the side of the ball and that's a try. And that just gets missed now because we have this whole thing perso where if there's a hand or an arm under the ball, oh, well, it can't be touching the ground. It can. It's just got to touch one blade of grass. So to me, that Frizzell try was a, a try and I think that we actually saw conclusive enough evidence on the last angle where it should have been given.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't know. I Personally, I thought he got it down looking at it, there was an angle that looked like he got it down. But the way this stupid system is, it went up as a no try and I don't really think there was conclusive enough evidence from the angles that we saw for it to be overturned. That's the whole problem with this debunking system. I don't like it for a number of reasons. I'm not going to get into that. It's a topic for another day. But I didn't have a huge problem with that one not being allowed. Like I thought it was a 50-50 call and it wasn't enough evidence to overturn it. But I will say I did think it looked to me like you got it down. But again, look, like it's not one of those ones. It's not a howler or any stretch.
1: Mm. The happy chorus outro.
0: <laughs> I'll take that.
1: It was... <laughs> that was a, uh...
0: It's a knock on every day of the week.
1: I wasn't that sure. You know, I, I think we're at odds on this
0: one. Like, I, I wouldn't yeah. have. Um, I'd I Looking at it live, I thought, he's knocked that on for sure. I, I thought live. This.
1: Yeah, I thought live for sure. On the replay, I sort of thought that it um, might have gone backwards and then because he's definitely kicked it forward afterwards. So I think that's yeah. a hard thing to sort of.
0: <laughs> well, they they call them a knock on every day of the week. That was that's a lucky one for us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll agree with that. And whenever that's. Whenever a player drops a ball and it's another bugbear in mind, like, you know, it's gotten a bit better actually, but we're at a point certainly up to a couple of years ago where any time a player dropped the ball, it was a whistle for a knock on. Like, yeah, it didn't even matter. It had to go backwards by metre for it to be called a a metre back or anything. So, like, I can certainly see it being called a knock on. I would have copped it as a no-try, certainly, from New South Wales' perspective. Um, I wasn't 100% that it was wrong, though. Um, When I was looking at it, it was sort of... You can see it's kind of might have gone backwards, and then it's, it's
0: Kitty's leg and been kicked, so it sort of muddied the waters a little bit. Yeah, looked like a knock-on. But again, in those situations, Klein's on the spot. Yeah, I'm happy to go with the ref when it goes to those and save so you. it. It's funny, I hear a lot of people blowing up about things, and no one really mentions that one, but everyone blowing up about the Brazil one, and that was a lot more 50-50 than the happy one.
1: See, I'm, I'm on the fence on that. Um, with both of them. So we're either way, though, you know, it doesn't really matter because Queensland would have won the game either way um, and they won convincingly. So it certainly didn't cost New South Wales anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next game, game two, Suncorp Stadium. Uh, no side has ever come back in Origins history when they've lost the first game and had to play the second game at Suncorp. So history is against the New South Wales Blues team. Um, I will go out on a limb and say, if we make the changes to the halves and we and we start Hines, I think that we win the game. If we don't, I'm a lot more nervous about it. How do you see game two panning out?
0: Yeah, we're cooked. <laughs> 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 I saw it after I think Queensland just got too much at the moment. And I have this conversation with Oh, New South Wars back line, let well, you throw a thrill in that back line and stuff, and the back line doesn't put on paper but Origins are one in the forwards, Barnsley. I think their pack's just faster period to ours at the moment. Uh, that'll be enough to get them home.
1: Yeah, it, it's a scary thought for New South Wales, but some really good comfort for Queensland that I don't think... I thought Munster played quite well. I thought Daly Cherry Evans was solid. I thought Harry Grant was really quite quiet, and so was Hunt. So I don't think that they really exploded, you know, with those superstars the way that they could. And in front of a Suncorp crowd, they do that, and New South Wales are in big trouble, much more than game one.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, even monster had his moments that he iced, but it, it wasn't a dominant game by him from any, any stretch of the imagination. Cherry Evans' kicking game was good, but it like, wasn't a dominant performance. They just all played well off the back of a, a good forward back and a will to win, basically. So I think Queensland still got improvement in him. That's, a, that's a thing. the thing. And New South Wales got a lot of improvement in him too, but that's where the wholesale changes isn't going to help. Oh, there's, there's not much point changing too much in that side That we already touched on But oh, it's a big ask going up there to Suncorp Against that pay It's a huge
1: ask It's going to make it a great game though I can't wait for it now oh, yeah. um, But I, I do hope that New South Wales go up there and attack. We did it a
0: couple of years ago Bazzi, and Lost the first one Won the second one And then we lost in Sydney <laughs> Yeah, that's right <laughs> Well, New
1: South Wales can't go up there and try and play that Queensland game that that we lost to. You know, we can't go up and try and grind and be tough and, you know, it's not going to work for us. I want to see New South Wales go out there and attack Queensland. And I think if you do that, you can put them under a bit of pressure and they can actually make some mistakes that they weren't making last night. Um, And then all of a sudden you're converting on those opportunities that New South Wales had far more of. Uh, It's going to be a great contest uh, for both Queensland and New South Wales fans. So can't wait for it. The women's state of origin is actually on tonight. Um, we're not going to go... F- actually looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be nice because maybe, you know, it's, look, Queenslanders are going to be hoping to go 2-0 on the week. I mean, New South Wales fans like us, we're going to be hoping to split it at least. We get one win and we can claim the girls' side. But one of the things that actually happened that I was quite surprised about, and it's... Uh, um, oh, I have to throw this disclaimer on every podcast, because I'm not trying to, to be negative about the NRL, <laughs> but they just make it so hard sometimes <laughs> with how they run. I couldn't believe that when we already had players going to camp, that the NRL turned around and notified the Origin teams that they were going to change how the Origin Shield was awarded. So coming into this year, it was meant to be a, a two-game series, and if it was drawn one-all, the, the people that hold the Shield, being New South Wales, retain it. And now in camp, they've said, no, 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 we're actually going to do it on aggregate. And they've changed the rules, you know. Whilst the teams are in camp getting ready to actually play, it's just such an NRL thing to do at the moment. And I just think it's really amateur and quite poor. And I know some of the girls were disappointed, and I support them. I think they they really should be.
0: Yeah, box standard NRL, isn't it? <laughs> what, what, what can you say? Uh,
1: probably the, the as little as possible would be better. So let's just move along to some of the other couple of topics in rugby league. Um, progress three hundredth game, yes. So we're not, we're not going to go through the the, the last round because it was a bye round and it's a bit of an Origin special to talk about Origin this week. But Kroker's being rested this week against the West Tigers. Um, the, the Raiders are obviously pushing to remain a top eight team and they're just sort of on the cusp of that. They've, they've gone a lot better of late, but they're going to rest him because they want to play him the following week at GIO Stadium. This has created a massive storm, per Where What side of the fence are you on with this?
0: Uh, if he's fit and ready to go, he should be fine. I mean, they've won six or seven since he's come back in the side. I mean, is it a bit of management where he's got a couple of niggles then he could do with the rest and then they'll they'll play the 300th at his home stadium? I don't know, but I mean, if he's fit and ready to go, there's no reason you wouldn't pick him. It's a, a strange one just to say you want to have the 300th at home. Yeah, I sort of see both sides of this one. like,
1: Amber's on 16 points. Hmm. Uh, which is actually equal to South Sydney in fifth, by the way, but they're in seventh. And the Warriors are 14 points behind them in eighth. And then the Gold Coast Titans and Roosters are both on equal points. So, I mean, when you have me look at that, you know, the Raiders lose to the Tigers, which they easily could because it's an away game for Canberra. The Tigers last outing put 66 points on the Cowboys. Tigers could win this, and then Canberra's out of the eight, and they're going to go into a game next week out of the top eight looking in past the midway point of the season, and we all know how close this can get at the end. So there's that. Um, but the other side of things is, you know, you mentioned his niggles and stuff. He's, one of the things that I respect the most about Croker getting the 300 games is he's lucky to be even playing the shoulder injuries and things that he's had. He shouldn't even be playing footy. Yeah. So look, he's played a heap of games in a row now. I can see it being an opportune game to rest him and, you know, have the 300th game the following week. And they do have someone like Nick Kotrich who comes in, who's a first grade player anyway. And you know, in all fairness, to Jared Croker, I think he's been playing better than I expected, but he's not setting the world on fire. So do they really lose much by waiting a week and giving him his 300th? And his 300th is a really big deal. You know, that's a big deal for Canberra fans. So uh, I don't mind it myself. I don't, I don't think it's that controversial, but I do see, you know.
0: No, nah, it's nowhere near as controversial as it's been portrayed in certain parts yeah. of the media, that's for sure.
1: I'll tell you something that is controversial. Ryles was meant to be the Dragons coach by now. Yeah. He turned around and said to the Dragons, "I'm not interested. and I'm not going to accept the contract." It looks like he's been offered uh, a bit of a, a talk behind the scenes at the Melbourne Storm to say that when Bellamy's moved on, he's probably going to be there. So, uh, Perso, did you see this coming at all for Uh No,
0: nah. <laughs> not. It looked like it was a, a pretty much a clean done deal. The chooks parted way with him. The offer was there, and then it looks like yeah, the eleventh hour, of the Storm have put their hand up and said, "Well, oh, offer you a." Assistant role, Craig's probably only going to go around for another year, and then the job's yours. So I know what I'd be doing if I was Riles. It wouldn't be going to the Dragons if that if the storm came calling. But yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a strange one. It looked like it was all sorted. Yeah,
1: it did. It's one of those things too, where I think if if clubs don't run themselves right, this is the sort of thing that comes back and bites you. And you know, Riles, there was always a chance that Riles didn't come. And then what sort of position are you putting yourself in? Because there's no doubt that the Dragons have leaked a lot of information with all this and stuff. And now they've come out and said, oh, we're going through a process and he's withdrawn from the process. We already know that you've offered him a four-year deal. Like, and we already know that that was a preferred candidate. So how does their coaching search go now? Because they're now going to be saying to people, oh, you know, you weren't our preferred candidate. We wanted roles, but you can, you know, (laughs) maybe we'll we'll consider you. Like, it's just a bit of a basket case.
0: The whole situation's been handled very unprofessionally, hasn't it? From the moment that Hook got told his job was up for review, he wasn't going to get renewed. He had to prove himself this year, and it's obviously they, uh, yeah, handled. like obviously Hook was never going to be the option next year. They probably should have punted him at the end of last year. The whole process is being quite messy. Well, I'm not sure where they go
1: to from here. Like, I, I know that Ben Hornby was somebody who was a bit of a. um a Smoky for it, even when Rolls was in the frame? You know, do you think that they go there? I mean, to me, it's not going to work, but they can't get an experienced coach and they haven't mentioned one experienced coach at this point.
0: Well, I think even Shane Flanagan said he doesn't want it, doesn't he? I think that was a... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a bit of a poison jealous at the moment. Whoever jumps into this is probably not going to last for long I feel sorry for Dragons fans um, because it, it hate
1: for them to get into next year and for them to actually put their support behind Carr, which really just means that they couldn't find anyone else, you know, and the, there's enough head coaches at a quality around where they really should be able to get one. Um, and I can't believe that guys like Des has just haven't had a job for this many years and stuff. But, you know, Flanagan's another one that's obviously won a premiership. But if no one wants to coach there, you know, it's, it's pretty bad because at the end of the day, even with Jason rolls like, he he's a guy that's got no head coaching experience. And I always think that with those guys, it's really hard to decline any offers, even if it's a bad offer, because we've already seen Bellamy could have retired two years ago and he's kept going year on year. Like
0: well, this could go on for another 10 years. Uh,
1: and if it does, you might not get another head coaching job, you know? So it's, yeah, it's a bit dicey, but he's, he said, I'd rather take that chance and go into the dragons, which yeah. is pretty bad.
0: Uh, that that's a guy who spent plenty of time with the Dragons too, as a player, he knows the establishment, he knows the club, he knows what they're about. So that's not really a, um, a a very good advertisement for the dragons, is it? Well he lives down the road, he doesn't even have to move. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to walk to work or get a train for a couple of hours? Oh, I just get no, I'll I'll a pick of the hours family stuff. up and down to Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. Or I take that gig.
1: No good for the Dragons at all, but we'll wait and see what happens in the coming weeks. Uh, Listener's corner question for this week. Favourite non-rugby league sports person? Perso, non-rugby league sports person.
0: Who is it for you? Uh, Probably Kelly Slater. I'll say that with a fair bit of confidence. The way that guy's still performing at 50 in one of the most competitive sports on the planet that doesn't really get a lot of recognition, 11 world titles. Still won a um, WSL event last year, Pipeline, 50 years old against all these kids coming through, 30 years younger than him. <laughs> it's um, a pretty phenomenal effort to be that dominant in a sport that's so competitive for so long. It's one of those things where surfing often gets left off the um, the sporting accolades. It is so so hard to get into the, like at that top level where there are so many good surfers out there on the the to get to that C two level the qualifier series the junior pro like it's it's that cutthroat. People don't realise how bloody tough it is and to be that dominant on that for so long.
1: No, it's an outstanding career for Slater and at his age, you know, you have to question how long is he going to keep doing it because he's still going well. That's. <laughs> Do you see him retiring anytime soon? Putting his feet up and just going surfing around the world for fun?
0: I think he's close. I think he'll just, he, he's just—he's almost at the point where he'll have um, just a couple of events a year, like he Pipeline, and then he had the last week they had the WSL event at Surf Ranch at his Surf Ranch. So he'll, he'll do things like that. I think he's not far off, but just to come out of everything that, that last year. And just dominate a pipeline when he won the, the first one in the series last year was just phenomenal. He turned fifty the day after or something. It was just this guy's just a freak. It is one of the advantages of the
1: individual sports, isn't it? Where like tennis, golf, surfing, you can uh, pick and choose your events and sort of scale a little bit to help you go along. But also like just do the the big ones that you kind of want to, and it's um that's not having a crack or anything. It it, it helps. Make a lot of careers a bit longer, and um and also we get to see him at the the big quality events still um, much more than what you do with you know the team sports.
0: Yeah, it'll be like a wild card set up when he pulls the pin. They'll they'll give him the wild card over a couple of events in Hawaii and the uh, France and that sort of stuff. But to, he still makes the cut. Like it's the the uh, WSL is another thing people don't really follow. It wouldn't know that they've changed it in the last couple of years since COVID. Now it's uh there's a mid-season cut, so it's hard enough to make the, the top 32, but then they cut 16 after the first five events. <laughs> and then they have to go back on the qualifying series to get back into the CT series the next year. So it, it's extremely cutthroat sport, but people don't realise, and he's just still 50 years old, just <laughs> still doing his thing. It's a phenomenal. And you, you've got so
1: many surfers around the world and so many young young guys oh, coming it, through.
0: Yeah, that's it. It's such a competitive sport, but it's it's kind of a niche sport too, I suppose. A lot of people don't realise how cutthroat it is and how hard it is to get to the top level.
1: I'm going to go with a um, a really easy one, so everyone knows. I'm a pretty big basketball fan. <laughs> I can't go past Michael Jordan. It's um just phenomenal career and everything else. Everybody already knows. You know, he's he's certainly the best player of all time in basketball, uh, and I don't think there's anyone close. But just just to dig a bit deeper on, like, why I love him so much. Like, I love the other stuff. Like, not just his his scoring titles and his championships, but, you know, you look at some of the things he did and similar to when you mentioned Kelly Slater, right? Like, he... This is a guy that that retired at his prime after winning three championships in a row and said, I'm going to go and just play professional baseball. And he went and did it. Now, he wasn't great, but he was still playing in the minor leagues and and he was still there. And he did it (laughs) after... You know, being 30 and playing basketball all his life, you know, he played baseball when he was a kid. To be able to go and do that, is pretty outstanding. But more People so,
0: don't understand how hard that is.
1: Oh, 100%. And, like, you got to think about the attitude as well, Perso, and that's what I admire. So much. There's a great, great documentary on ESPN that's called Jordan Gets the Bus, and it's because, <laughs> you know, he's gone from having these luxury jets and everything in the NBA and stuff, <laughs> and he's got to get the bus to these baseball games and stuff. You Know and it's he didn't care because he was just so competitive and he just wanted to win and just win at everything. Yeah, but then the, the bigger story out of it is that after he, you know, quit and everything and decided to come back, he just came straight back and dominated again. Like they lost in the playoffs yeah. that year, but it was he's only been back for a couple of months playing basketball, like he didn't have a basketball. Well, he was out point.
0: of the game for what two or three years or something, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, close to two years. And just, yeah. he just came back and played in the NBA, you know, and it's like, wow, but not only did he do that, but the, the first full season he's back, he wins a championship again and he does it for three years in a row and then just quits again. You know, it's unbelievable, but then you get to see like the, the stories and stuff like The Last Dance is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. The, the, the recent film, Air, about his even just his shoe signing deal because he's just such an icon now with, you know, the shoes and everything else. I Just everything about him, him and his stories is fantastic.
0: Oh, phenomenal athlete. Um, absolutely great, Jordan. It's just one of those similar. Any of those sort of athletes, male and female, that are at that level, it's just that they've just got a different competitive drive, don't know, That makes them so great.
1: Yeah, that mindset is just
0: phenomenal, and it's why I
1: love that documentary. It's great to see behind the scenes that we don't normally see. Like you certainly don't see it much in rugby league. It's very cliched, and and, and some of it's not articulated very well, and you don't see behind the scenes. But like in that Last Dance documentary, you really get to see the drive behind Jordan and, you know, what he was thinking and, you know, how he actually competes. Uh, It's just amazing stuff to see. But Barnsley Spray of the Week, here we are, second last segment of the podcast, pressure on kickers. We didn't talk about last round first though, but by God, we got a couple of these really awful penalties again. And it's been happening all year, but I find that in the last month, it has been absolutely atrocious where we have gotten to a point now where the NRL are not addressing it at all, which I find really strange because it is a big deal, where basically any time a kicker is tackled, he's getting called a penalty. We had one in the first game of last round where you had the kicker not hit high, not hit late, and not even in the air, and it was a penalty. And the explanations given, if you ever get an explanation, is just because it's dangerous. Now, if we're going to say it's dangerous to to tackle anyone kicking the ball, Perso, then you may as well just say... it's, it's NFL style. Just everyone stand back, and you, the rushers aren't even allowed to rush and, and defend. You just have to let someone kick the ball. Like, is that really where we're at as a game?
0: Is that seriously? Every tackle's dangerous.
1: Oh, playing rugby league's dangerous. <laughs> like, it's such a cute, right. cliche, dumb line that makes no sense from the NRL, uh, and we just keep seeing it more and more, and at the moment, the kicking stuff is ridiculous.
0: Like, you remember growing up? You- I'm all for protect. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm all. Pre- that was my job, as a, to put pressure on the kicker as a front rower. And you'd hit them like, <laughs> as long as it was clean. It wasn't high. It wasn't taking legs out. It wasn't. It, you know, that's just part of the game. I mean, to the ones you're talking about, it's like simultaneous. They just kick it and they're just sort of making contact, and it's getting a penalty like they No,
1: it's and it's not. It's not rugby league if you can't pressure someone that's making that play. And it's like you said, people can't do their jobs. I even hate that they call it in the air. You know, like you you'll get a ball bounce end over end and someone and a fullback jump up to catch it and get belted. Because the only time in the air that's meant to be dangerous is when you jump up in the air for a contested bomb. Uh, you know, other times we saw we see it all the time. We almost saw it last night, but Crichton back batted it on in origin where he had to jump two foot in the air to grab a pass and he was going to get hammered in the air um before he tapped it on. You know, if people get passed and catch the ball in the air all the time and get hammered. But for some reason, a kicker chooses to go off the ground by half a metre when they're kicking the ball to get some umph, uh, uh, you know underneath it. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're tackling someone in the air and it's dangerous. So it is just dumb. And it is not rugby league. And the NRL are not addressing it. And fans have been in uproar about it. But I have to say, last round, there was a couple that were exceptionally bad. Like, do, you, do you understand where they're going with this at all, Perso? Yeah.
0: uh, I'm all for protecting the kicker and getting foul play out of the game, but I know what you're saying. There was a couple of them last round that were just ridiculous. It was just making contact almost simultaneous. Not even in the air, simultaneous as they kick it, and it wasn't even like hard contact. That's I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Like, when, where does all this stop? Like, everyone up and arms a bit, uh, you know, shoulder charges are gone and there's no toughness in the game and that anymore, which is another topic for another day. But, I mean, where does this? Where do you draw the line in this? Probably, you're only going to be allowed to tackle between the chest and the, the belly button scene or something. It's just, I don't know, where does it stop? And
1: that's always the problem, isn't it? Because this type of stuff, you have to remember as a game that it's rugby league and you can't lose the essence of what rugby league is. And the minute you start saying you can't tackle a certain player on the field, then you're starting to lose what rugby league is. And it's Well, they're just... just
0: going to start running, aren't they? If you, if you can't contest them, then they're going to shake for a kick and all of a sudden they're off.
1: Well, that's right. and It goes to the question again, what sort of feel for rugby league has the NRL really got if this is the sort of rulings that they're going to make? Because yeah, in rugby league, there's, there's that. They can run because you're not hitting them. Um, the other thing as well is that, Field position is so important. So you're allowing teams to get optimal field position or an attacking kick in because you can't actually hit the guy that's got the ball yeah, in there. Pressure the
0: kicker. So he's, gonna, he's got all the time in the world to boot the ball down as far as, far as he wants. That's sort all of the tactics of playing rugby league is put pressure on the kicker because it, it, kicking is such an important part of field position in the game.
1: Uh, it honestly, makes my blood boil these type of decisions because it just it ruins contests. Guys get penalised. It changes yeah. contests significantly by allowing the kicks um, to be unpressured and also getting penalties on guys that don't deserve it at all. It's uh, it's always you know it's always uh, often forwards as well that get punished for this. So it's old forwards, person, you know, it's I think we feel a bit more aggrieved because you just how can you not go and hit a little <laughs> halfback? You know, <laughs> it's the yeah. eight. This is
0: NRL. Oh, uh, it, it's. So integral to the game now, too. Penalties are such a big, big part in the game now. I mean, you don't get kicking out for touch and getting scrums to slow the game down and stuff anymore. Look, those sort of penalties turn the momentum, especially in what sort of the last sort of four or five years. It's such a key, um, a key decision that can change the game, basically.
1: Well, let's move along and finish on the legend rewind. Ian Roberts. He's a guy that played a number of origin matches, nine origin matches to his name, as a matter of 194 NRL games. And born in England, which I think a lot of people forget about, and I forgot about it as well, but as a prop, he was the Dallian Prop of the Year in 87, 93, and 94. And he really had that sort of almost decade stretch where he was super dominant as a front rower. He's a big guy. And I just, I remember him as a bit of a hit man, but also just someone hard to handle. But one of the main things I remember about him as well is he was one of those first guys that had that real, um, not physical physique, but chiseled. And he was, you know, like a workout gym junkie type of guy. He was just big. And a lot of the athletes these days, per se, around will say, you know, I've got the muscles and the big biceps and everything. But it wasn't really like that back in the nineties and the eighties, especially, and he was one of those first sort of prototypes. He was almost like a Terminator, the way he was built. And he just would absolutely cream guys, wouldn't he? As an old prop, I'm sure that you loved watching him.
0: Oh, he was. He, he was definitely a hit man. Um, I used to hate South. I hated that forward pack that they had when he was there. And then he went to Manly. I didn't really like him either. But um, New South Wales time, he was always one of the first pick there through that mid-90s period. He was just a, a tough footballer. But he was super fit and as you said, yeah, he was one of the, the first sort of uh, that stepped away from guys like um Wayne Pierce and that that were super fit but not really built like Mitchell Pierce was bigger than Wayne Pierce. It's, uh Ian Roberts is sort of that he was that prototype of the the new age footballer that was built like a brick shit house and super fit. You see guys that are um
1: that are big forwards now and a lot of the time they're a lot bigger than than what players were 30, 40 years ago, um, but Roberts was a, as big as anyone. Now he was six foot five and between 110, 120 kilos, depending on you know wh- when you actually found him. Um, it was he was just a ginormous human, and it, so you mentioned the South Sydney stint. He played sixty five games for South, but kind of a, again one of these. When we do these, it's always funny because you forget, you know all these players back in the day that in their primes would actually go over and play in England because he played 19 games for England, um, for Wigan over in the English Super League before he actually came back and played the 1990
0: season. Yeah. He finished off with the Cowboys too. You sort of forget that. You always think of him as mainly a and Manly player, but he stopped with a couple of seasons at the cows. Yeah. I always remember him as a Manly player. He played a
1: hundred matches for Manly between 1990 and 95. Um, and he had the, a couple of seasons at the Cowboys, ninety-seven and ninety-eight, but they were important seasons at the Cowboys as well. Like I think he was, he was very dominant at Manly. very, very dominant. But obviously, at the end of his career at the Cowboys, it was one of those things where they were a newer club, and he was a real foundation piece for them that really sort of um, set the tone and and helped out with some of the other guys that were coming through and stuff as well. So,
0: the thing you touched on, there, Barge is saying he was dominant. He was dominant, but. but... He dominant in an absolute dominant pack like South pack when he was there was astronomical, and then he went to Manly. His pack was just as astronomical, and he was a dominant feature of it. But they were two of the best packs in the comp at the times that he was there, and he was sort of leading the way, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, um, and those were definitely amazing
1: packs that he was in as well. Um, there were good teams. Uh, the The Manly's ninety sides, um, good sides, and those South Sydney sides, like. They had really good packs. Obviously, going to the 90s, South Sydney had a, a pretty bad run coming up as well, um, where they weren't going as well um, on the ladder, but it's still a very dominant pack. Um, the other thing too, I remember him on some of the kangaroo tours and stuff where he absolutely axed people, but certainly in Origin, he was a massive enforcer as well. Went well in a rep jumper. I'd actually say, Perso, you know, he's got his 13 games for Australia um, and nine games for New South Wales plus two games for New South Wales in the Super League. I actually say he, he could have played a lot more. Uh, I, I sort of think that he was a bit hard done by not playing more games.
0: Yeah, I was actually surprised at the the number he had. I thought he played a, a bit more because he was so dominant when he was there. But he actually played a lot of back row at rep level. I remember him in syren and playing on the edges. And he sort of yeah of that and Lazarus a prop. So, but um, yeah, definitely that dominant blues period through the the early 90s he was a massive part of that that sort of looked the actual amount of games he had he played about 10 less than I actually thought he did
1: yeah and it's funny you mentioned second row because I always um I always remember him as a second row but he's listed as a prop but he did play a lot of back row and that was that goes key into like why he was such a unique player back in the day we talked about him being you know into the gym a lot and stuff and his size but Guys that were six foot five and 115 odd kilos on average, they weren't guys that had big motors in the eighties at all. And in the nineties, not very often. Um, those were the big fellas that had short stints. And he was an absolute athlete. Like he he had really good staying power. And that was one of the things that really separated him for me. Like he could he could go a long period and just punish you as the biggest player on the field. And whereas other guys just sort of went, oh. Especially if you were a smaller forward person, you know, get through the first 10 minutes the up period and I'll be right. I can run at these guys again. But yeah. with him, yeah, he'd just kill you the whole game, even if he hadn't had a rest.
0: Yeah, no, he, he was a good player. He, it, it, I think that um, the cool, you or sort of products off of the modern forward, I think that's a pretty fair of of Roberts. uh
1: Robertson. It has to be mentioned, he, he had an interesting life outside of footy um, for a couple of reasons. Like, one, I always laugh. Um, the post career he went into acting, and yeah. he's pretty good in Mystery <laughs> of <recording, actually. laughs> We had a couple of really big I, I don't really know how it happened. I think that it was his physique and everything that just sort of got him into it, and people were sort of wowed by him. Um, and he spoke pretty well as well. But I remember seeing the new Superman, um, they did Superman Returns in like uh, early 2000s type of thing when they tried to reboot Superman. And he was playing one of the bodyguards. (laughs) I I had no idea that he was in it. I was like, I didn't think this acting thing was serious. Ed Roberts is actually in movies. And uh, I think he was in Star Wars as well, um, from memory. He he had that that big acting career, and uh, I think that's still kind of going on. But one of the big things post-career that's sort of given away um, to his new career is that he's been a a huge spokesperson for the uh, gay community. So he came out as the first openly gay rugby league player and that was a big deal. I think one of the things as well is that you see a lot of sport people do it but after their career. And he actually came out in 1995 um when he was still in the middle of his playing career. So it was coming out in 95 is a big deal, you know, and not only the time but doing it as a professional rugby league player. He, he, very brave on the field, but that's super brave off the field as well and what he's done post career as well to help support the NRL and rugby league players coming through um, with his stature in the game as an openly gay rugby league player. Pretty phenomenal as well. And he's he's doing a lot of work right now on that.
0: Uh, it was massive at the time. Like, it, it was a, a fairly um, taboo topic, especially in rugby league, to be able to come out and say you're a gay footballer. I mean, and he's built like a big shitty house, so no one was going <laughs> to give him any flack from it. But... <laughs> he, <laughs> But, you know, that wasn't perceived. You know, gay men weren't perceived that way at that time. You know, they weren't these big, tough hombros like he was. So it was massive for the um, for the LGBT community at the time for him to come out. And he's still a, a massive activist in it now to make awareness and acceptance. So it's, um, yeah, he's had an interesting life. I will Rob, that's for sure.
1: Interesting life. Fantastic rugby league career. One of those guys, and um, we say it a lot, but... I like to look at guys that don't get talked about as much. Like we've done the Darren Lockhears, we've done the Andrew Johns, we've done all those sort of guys that do get talked about all the time. But there is a lot of guys like Ian Roberts that kind of get forgotten about. And he had a really interesting career and a phenomenal career. And he was very, very dominant. You know, go and if you're a younger listener and you you missed out on some of the 80s and 90s footy or you find some of it boring or not like the modern day game, go and just YouTube Ian Roberts' biggest hits. And go and have a look at that because he absolutely murders people.
0: <laughs> he, oh, he used to fall blokes, didn't he? Oh,
1: and it's just the size of him. In the, you know, it was, yeah, go and have a look at it. You'll love it. Perso, thanks very much for jumping on, mate. It was a, a great podcast except for having to talk about New South Wales loss, but, you know, <laughs> maybe we'll get him game two.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not super confident, but I'm looking forward to the game. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can get one back up there. Sound cool.
1: We'll get you back on, no doubt, during the Origin series to have a chat again. For everyone listening, you can download or stream on Spotify, Amazon, SoundCloud, iTunes. Certainly subscribe. You'll get the episodes straight away. Share them around. But you can also follow us on social media, Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. And if you want to jump on picklebet.com, you really should because they're a fantastic bookmaker. But use the affiliate referral code when you sign up. All Stars, all one word. Hit apply on the promo code and they'll take great care of you. as one of our listeners when you create that account. Enjoy this round of footy. It looks like an absolute cracker starting on Friday night. We'll have the Super Cage episode on Tuesday night that we'll record and that'll drop next week with another talking Footy. Until then, enjoy the round. Enjoy the footy. Can't wait to chat more about it again next week.
0: Hey now,
1: you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid.